With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Video podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey, and this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anvil Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of Mr. Jan Malby as we speak about everything to do with the Reds. So, for one more time, good evening, Jan. Good evening, Charles. I hope you're well. I am well. I am well. And we have much to talk about, my friend, because... It seems as if the stories keep on coming and we have the ongoing tantalizing hope of uh, potentially sneaking into a place which our form over the full season barely deserves. But here we are nonetheless. And so I want to talk about the remaining fixtures for the Reds and for Newcastle and for Manchester United. Now that it's starting to get to the sharp end, there are only two left for our lot. And by the time we speak next, uh, there'll be one or maybe even less. It might, we might be done by the time we get a chance to do the next, the next show. Who knows, depending on, on circumstances. So really are getting to the sharp end of the season. And um, we'll begin, as we usually do, with a reflection on the most recent performance by Liverpool, which was, of course, what I think was one of the better and more relaxing displays to watch as a fan um, over the course of the season. The 3-0 win at the weekend. It felt... I won't say it didn't feel a little bit in the balance for the first 20, 25 minutes, because it did. But overall, it did feel like a nice, comfortable win that, you know, felt like it was going to be that from at least the first half. And not that the second half turned into a procession, but you understand what I mean when I say the nerves weren't exactly jangling. So that's more progress in this run and momentum building, isn't it? Well, I felt in many ways it was a, it was almost a stroll. Uh, I had a slightly different feel when we beat Leeds 6-1 away uh, because I thought for the first, until we scored the first goal, I wasn't quite sure where the game was going. And that was also at the, almost at the start of this run, isn't it? So I wasn't 100% sure I could trust us, especially in away games. Uh, but I think with the Leicester game, you know, even when it was very much 50-50, you always felt that they lacked a bit of quality, they lacked organisation, and desperately lacked the ability to defend. So only it was a matter of time. And once we got the first one, I was amazed that, that, that it stopped at three. You know, I thought it was another one of those where we could have easily scored five, six or seven. 
Yeah, I, I agree and possibly should and might have on another evening. And it didn't feel like one of those where uh, we were possibly lucky to get away with it. But when I say that the first 20, 25 minutes felt a little bit in the balance, I think that was actually of our, our own doing as a team as well. Because I was making notes as I do, because I've got to speak about this game immediately afterwards and try and have something coherent to say. So I'm always watching a, a match with a laptop on my beside me and tapping away. And the observations I was making in the first 20, 25 minutes, Jan, were we need to start doing things quicker because we are a high tempo team. And when we started getting uh, some moves on the board just ahead of the two goals, it was noticeable that they were front foot, first time pass uh, type stuff. And then the goals themselves were bang, 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 first time, first time, first time, no time to think about it, high tempo. I don't think that's a coincidence to you. I think that's very much what clock ball is. And when we started doing it, not the sterile possession thing, but the real forceful stuff, that's when we hit gold. Yeah, I don't think it matters who the opposition is. When you play at a certain tempo, everybody struggles uh, to live with it. And I think we've, we've got evidence of that over the years. Uh, and you're right you say that the goals were smart. The goals were quick. You know, it was, it was, it was decisive, uh, the moves for, for, for all three goals, isn't it? So, yeah, it was, I, I thought it was a really good performance. If you look at the, the opposition on the day... Um... It's hard to see how a squad that has as many decent footballers in it can find themselves and put themselves in such a strange position. Um, you know, not that long ago, they were the ones who were flirting with top four. They sort of famously uh, bottled it. But they do have as many Premier League titles, if we're going to start thinking about football being invented in 1993. Uh, as as Liverpool do, uh, which is a remarkable achievement in and of itself. And there's still like a, a very solid squad hanging around there. It seems like they're massively underperforming. And I think listening to some Aston Villa fans, um, an awful lot of them were quite disillusioned with the way things had started to go under Rodgers. I don't think there's so much pointing fingers at Dean Smith. How could you at this stage with the amount of season he's had to work with? So it's, it's a real fall from grace for them, isn't it, to see them where they are with the amount of decent footballers they have hanging around that squad. Yeah, I mean, on their CV, it will read in the last eight years, Premier League title, FA Cup win and the relegation uh, because they can't see it any other way. Uh, they got Newcastle away on, on Monday uh, and as much as we need them to do us a, a favour, you know, they look desperate against us, I can't see it. Uh, and then possibly the last game might be irrelevant. Uh, so... Yeah, it is a shame. Uh, I always believe that, you know, if the best team wins the league, we can win, we can live with that. Uh, and if the three worst teams get relegated, and, and I'm not convinced that Leicester is amongst the three worst teams in the Premier League. Uh, however, you know, the lack of points will, will, will decide the fact that they're going to go down. But I think there's squats worse than Leicester. Uh, and there will be one or two Leicester players hanging about. They will get themselves Premier League moves, isn't it? But yeah, it's a, it's it's been a real problem, hasn't it? Uh, obviously, the sad news when 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 the the late owner died in the helicopter crash, and ever since they've struggled for identity, uh, and here they are now today. Looks like they're going to pay the ultimate price. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And there is a distinction, isn't there, between the 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 
relative ability within a squad and where you would rate it on paper and then the actual team and what that team is doing or what that squad is doing when it's boiled down to 11 individuals on the day it's 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 there's quite the contrast um we can see it we've seen ourselves um over the course of the season with the reds as well um sometimes you've seen performances and you look at the players uh, in that team and the two things don't go together at all um, so it is an interesting thing and uh, like you say I think over the course of the, the the season that is the old cliche for a reason it, it doesn't tend to lie if you you get where, what you deserve in terms of your results and um, it's got you fed into a, an interesting fixture which is going to form part of our chat very soon which is the Newcastle one obviously uh, with Leicester but that's for later as is the discussion about the best team winning the league uh, looking forward to chatting to you a little bit about Manchester City later on as well just to pick up a couple of things that most people have talked about but I'd like to get your take um when you look at Curtis Jones, Jan, do you feel uh, either of these two things or both of them? Do you think, well, this is heartening. Here's a kid who looks like he's ready to go um, and be playing a real important part in our squad now. He's got a run and he's really starting to show what he can do. Or do you think, like I do in my more cynical moments, oh dear, that looks like it might be a, a plaster, a, a little sticking plaster to stick over the obvious gaping uh, wound of the midfield and convince the owners that we don't need to spend. You see where I'm going with this? Absolutely. Uh, and at the moment, I, I'm unconvinced. Uh, the kid is playing the best football in his career. Uh, there's no doubt in that. The run of fixtures, probably knowing that he would play the next game, has absolutely helped him. Uh, and, and probably the icing on the cake was his performance against less than the two goals. Uh, but I'm still not sure. Uh, I try and compare them to what the other teams have got in midfield uh, and also that longevity, 38 games plus everything else to go with it in a team. Hopefully, it's going to battle for the, for the Premier League title and, and other trophies, isn't it? I'm still not convinced. Uh, but take nothing away from him. Right now, he's having the time of his life playing football. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this is the greatest time as a footballer. He's young. He's carefree. He's playing really well. He's having an impact on games. Fans are coming around, warming to him, isn't it? So he's having a time of his life. Where that will end, I don't know. I mean, really, we should be able to to say yes or no. Uh, but I think if you'd have asked me eight weeks ago, I'd have, it would have been a resounding no. This this kid has got no future at Liverpool. But now I'm unsure. Uh, and, 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 and he's done that. He's made you unsure. By performances and certain things in games, I maybe didn't think he was capable of. Uh, it's almost as if he's also stepped up a bit in terms of the tempo. I always felt that he was too deliberate. You know, he was he was, he was trying to be, you know, too calm in possession. And I'm thinking you don't need to be calm in, in, in position to give the impression that you can play. Just play it as quick as you can, isn't it? And it looks like, you know, he's doing that at the moment, isn't it? I mean... Two very good goals. I mean, very similar to the one uh, he got at Anfield as well the other week, uh, coming into the far post, uh, which, with him and Trent probably haven't spoken about that. Uh, so very impressive at the moment. It's funny, uh, you, your comments there pretty much echo what the manager said, because when he was talking about um, Curtis, he was talking about the fact that he does these, he's doing th stuff now at a at a quick quicker rate. Um, and he wasn't, again, necessarily 
criticise him before because Curtis was good at retaining the ball, but like you say, perhaps a little bit too deliberate, a little bit too safe when he's now playing on the front foot and he's playing in that sort of um, uh, confident fashion. Uh, but it's interesting too, I mean, we have to acknowledge, don't we, Jan? You said like you weren't sure if he, if he was able to do it. I don't think you or anybody else could be held, held accountable for not being sure because it did seem very much as if he was really bang out of favour with the manager because he was available to play. He just wasn't being selected. And instead, we were seeing uh, midfields take to the stage in Premier Leagues at the start for 90 minutes with, with, with James Miller and Jordan Henderson, two, there are two veterans in there. Um, and Curtis must have been scratching his head, as he must have been, as he watched again and again as the Harvey Elliott as a midfielder experiment, just never, ever worked. And again, these are my personal opinions. Feel free to tell me I'm, I'm an idiot. But it did seem, didn't it, as if he wasn't fancied by the manager. When you, when you put all of that into context, Harvey ahead of him, James Milner ahead of him, he must have started to wonder whether he was on the outs, whether it was time to make me look at a Nottingham Forest or something like that and see could he get a move there. Yeah, I mean, we're probably looking at, at the worst time form-wise during Klopp's time at Liverpool. Mm. And still, he couldn't get anywhere near the team. And you mentioned a couple who played, mm. isn't it? But, you know, there was others. We persisted for a while with Naby Keita. And also, uh, Stefan Bajetic came in from nowhere and, and, and took a place there where Curtis must have looked and thought, what do I have to do? And, and, and maybe that was the one thing that hit home to him and gone, he is prepared to give people opportunities. What is it that I have to do? And now I just have to do it. You know, and everybody reaches that in their careers where you go, I've got to do it now. I've, I've got to put it together. We always talk about being able to put a game together. What, it is, what is it that you're good at? Put your game together. And Curtis has gone, probably gone, this is it now. I've got to put it together now. This is like the last chance I've got of trying to put it together, you know what I mean? So, when you're playing midfield, you've got to be able to play possession football, but you also got to be able to put the ball at risk. And I think he's found that balance now. Yeah, fingers crossed, because there is no doubt that he would be a hugely valuable uh, squad member. Um, and again, in a, in, a, in a world where we have to worry about homegrown players and all the rest of it, it's a win-win situation, and hopefully it will continue. I, I don't see a situation where he... He doesn't start the remaining two fixtures of the season now because he's very much the midfielder in form. But a, a, a quick word about um, how Fabinho was more like Fabinho than we've seen in a long time. And I wonder, Jan, as well, if that is something that we can rely on going forward. I mean, a lot of people made a lot of about Fabinho's form. I, I think it, the glaring issue has been the, the fact that what the captain does on the field is 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 not as tangible as clearly as what everybody t- alludes to and talks about that he does off the field. And I think, you know, maybe back when I used to play as a kid, there was a notion of a captain being a, a shouter and a rallier and getting the troops up for it. But increasingly, that feels a little bit of a dated notion. And most, some of the best captains, for example, Stephen Gerrard, they, they, they lead by example. Um, that's what made Stevie a good captain, and it's what made him a bad captain if he wasn't playing well, in my opinion. So I, I, I look around and I'm thinking... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. 
From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. This is a long way to get round to the Fabinho question. Do we expect a, a renaissance or a, or, a, or a renewal back to the original form of Fabinho? Or should we be realistic here, Jan, and think like, he's not exactly an old codger or anything, but perhaps some of that energy is gone from his game that was such a, an important part of it at the start. He was never quick, but he seemed to cover a lot of ground and he really was sharp. But we've seen little bits of that coming back, lots of winning of the ball, um, nip, nipping in, getting a foot in here and there over the course of that last game in particular. It was really impressive. And God, we've missed that, haven't we? We have. Uh, but, I, but I have to be honest, Trevor, I, I put him in the same bracket as Kirsty Jones. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure whether he can reach the levels again. And I tend to to compare. Uh, and you compare to Casemiro at Manchester United, to Rodri at Manchester City, if Arsenal get Declan Rice, uh, they're the kind of single pivot number six that our competitors have got. Fabinho was at that level. Absolutely no doubt he, he was at that level. Can he find that level again 50 times a season? Then we don't have a problem. And these are decisions. They, these are nightmare decisions to make, Trevor. You know, as, as a manager, uh, you know, you get that feel of, was he out of form and is he coming back? Or has he gone forever, you know? So, yes, of late he's playing better. Maybe we've got to pay some credit to the manager, the way that we change the way we play, and with Curtis, uh, sorry, with Trent Alexander-Arnold being in there a lot more, maybe that's helped him, isn't it? Uh, I have nothing against when when Trent pushes in and we play that three-two, uh, and 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 four or five of them further up the field, because I believe in modern-day football, the more people you can get further up the field, that's where you press, that's where you make the difference, isn't it? You know, top teams don't play three centre-halves and two wing-backs and two sitting sixes, you know what I mean? They pushed him in up there. Uh, so I don't have a problem with that. Fabinho, it's cruel, isn't it, Trevor? It's it's almost impossible to be ahead of the curve. Uh, but the top managers are. The top managers are always ahead of the curve. The moment you drop somebody or the moment you let somebody go, everybody goes, what are you doing that for? Six or 12 months later, you go, bloody hell. The boy's a genius. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wonder as well about, you know, the reality or the realist, realistic chances of, of him being able to take a backseat. Because, of course, we, we all want this dramatic recruitment to happen over the summer. It would be wonderful if it did. Um, but if we look at what the, the, is floating around over the last couple of days, we've had confirmation that, yes, Bobby Firmino's gone, but also Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is certainly headed out the door, as is James Milner, as is Naby Keita. Now, we, we'd have put money on all of those anyway. But just to see it confirmed, that's quite a lot of names that we have had in and around the first team. Um, and actually, in, in, at least... I don't know what Naby's like as a, as a character, but at least three of them are big, big characters. Uh, Bobby is the, one of the most beloved men in Anfield history, as you could see at the end of the last game. We're in a way match. I've never heard anything like that yet in my life. Uh, his song, 
being sung repeatedly. I think it was sung for about nearly 15 solid minutes at one point. And again at the end. And the players brought him over to the away fans. And he looked genuinely uh, uh, emotional. Um, so we know he's going. We know he's a big, big personality. Ox is a big personality. We'll come back to Bobby and that story in a minute. Um, and we know Jimmy Miller's a big personality. And we know that Jurgen wanted him to stay and and, and coach. He, that's the story that's going out there now as well, that he was offered a coaching position. Um, so he clearly has decided that's not for him. Maybe it will be down the line. Who knows? Um, that's a loss. So when you think about that, it's not a loss on the pitch, but it's a loss to the squad. Um, it's hard to see them moving too many more of the old stagers on, isn't it, really? Um, you know, we had this, like I said, theoretical conversation about who could you sell? Even like picking a, a few wild ringers, like maybe could you get a lot of money for Andy Robertson? And is he possibly at that tipping point? Could you get a lot of money for... Um, uh, uh, some people were even saying... Like we said last week, what's the story with Darwin Nunes? Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Do you take a chance? But I don't see too much squad refreshment now outside of those four players and maybe Queeving Kelleher. I think that's the more realistic thing. Klopp's not going to want to eviscerate this group, is he? I, I can't no. see it. No, no, he's not. But I do have a think, Trevor, that this is a relief. You know, the fact that it's now been confirmed in writing that we're doing something. You know, because Klopp has always been accused of being too loyal, isn't it? Now there's a line in the sand, isn't it, going, listen, we're moving on. Yes, we're losing big characters. Uh, and, and that in itself is a problem, isn't it? You know, if, if I've been told the right stories is that when Klopp came in, his immediate favourite in the dressing was Adam Lallana. Uh, and, 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 and then that became Jordan Henderson and James Milner. Uh, so it's important for Klopp to have those. But I think he feels he has those with Robbo and with Virgil van Dijk, you know, and with Hendo with still being there. They've sort of moved into that category, haven't they? Where they make it take a, take a little bit of a step back from that sort of younger, loud squad. And, and, and a little bit more sensible, isn't it? And trying to look after, out for people, isn't it? I mean, we all reach that sort of level as a footballers, isn't it? Not everybody gets a chance to become a big character in a dressing room. But I think he's quite happy thinking, I've got Virgil, I've got Robbo, I've got Hendo, they've got my back and they can sort the dressing room out. So I think it's... In many ways, it's a relief. It's not a criticism of the players, uh, the four players that, that, that are leaving, but God love Oxford and Chamberlain and that injury in the Champions League. And Naby Case has just never got off the ground. James Miller has been absolutely tremendous. You know, I wouldn't have given him necessarily a second look when we signed him. And then, of course, you've got Bobby. Uh, the funny thing with Bobby is that right now, you know, he will be talked about as being right up there with the best we've ever had. That won't survive over time. You know, in 20 years' time, we're not going to be talking about Bobby Firmino as one of the greatest strikers we've ever had. But we're still going to be talking about it because he's unique. You know, he's a unique mm. footballer. You know, he brought you joy. And football is meant to be joy, isn't it, Trevor? You know, it's, it's meant to be entertainment, isn't it? So we will always talk about him. His, his figures won't stand, stack up against the best we've had. But he's got something else that will always make sure that he'll survive time and he'll always be fun to remember because the man is unique. I think that's right. I, I think I was watching compilations of Bobby and in a week or a couple of weeks where we're talking about Mo Salah's numbers and we spoke about them on a recent show and how absurd they are and how he could become an all-time, well, he is an all-time great, but he could really, really be in the top three. 
in terms of, as you say, numbers and therefore properly solidified legend. But when you look at Bobby compilations, it's drag back passes, it's back heels, it's dinks into little bits of space, it's uh, turns around the corner, it's really majestic little finishes. Um, not as many on the sharp end with the goals, although he did love a big goal, but it's more the contributory stuff in the build up. And for that reason, it's for me, it's almost as if we got if we had managed to sign the likes of, say, a Yari Littmanen when he was a bit younger. One of those players you just love to watch, just a lovely player to watch. And I'm trying to speak here now in, in sort of contemporary terms or more recent terms. You know, other players we saw this week, I saw a fantastic goal. I don't know if you saw it online today uh, by Luis Suarez for his new club in South America. Absolutely outrageous outside the foot finish. One of those real improvised jobs. And I, I remember his time at Anfield with just real warmth because of you were aware you were watching a genius. Do you know what I mean? You were aware you were watching a genius. Whereas he's going to have those numbers as well. He's already got one of those top scoring rates per goals per game stuff. But Firmino somewhere in that in that middle zone, isn't he? He's not just a pure creator, or it, it, but it's the entertainment plus. He has really been a big game operator for us, hasn't he? Yeah, but good players are. You know, good mm. players come alive. Uh, good players want to be part of big games. You know, and and that's how might sound funny, isn't it? Because everybody will think, well, everybody want to be part of big games. Yeah, but big games are not for everybody. Uh, you know, you know, some people just don't quite get it in the big games, isn't it? But where, whereas Bobby does, isn't it? But I mean, being a goal scorer is one thing in it. But we and we've had some of the finest goal scorers. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. The, the United Kingdom has ever produced over a period of time, isn't it? Uh, and, and then you've got Bobby, who, who do you put him in a bracket with? Uh, mm. You know what? What player? Uh, I mean, the nearest in my time would have been Peter Beardsley. Well, Peter Beardsley wasn't as flamboyant uh, as 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 Bobby is. He did amazing things, but Bobby's just kind of took it to another level, isn't it? And 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 that's a good thing when when you've been able to watch videos from Bobby when he's long gone, as you be looking back and you go, yeah, but that's just magic, isn't it? You know, because there's other things you'll see. You can put all goal scorers' goals up, can't you, Trevor? But a lot of the goal scorers' goals is far post tapping. You know, it's you know. I guess you you, you watch the best of Bobby Firmino. You would do so with a smile on your face. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I think that's the best way to sum it up. 
you mentioned something earlier on, and I want to do this as a kind of an interim uh, discussion here between the, the, what we've just talked about and what we're going to go on and focus on, which is obviously our team and what's possible and what remains and all that. But you mentioned about, you know, the best team wins the league. And this week we've seen, or not this week, this t- today, I've seen endless fawning praise about uh, the wonderful Manchester City and all the rest of it. And I'm reading, you know, broadsheet journalists, the likes of Henry Winter, people with uh, a lot of um, credit in the bank and stuff like that. And they're talking about Manchester City. And I'm aware that it's in a week when Ivan Tony has received an eight month ban. And it doesn't sit right with me and that we have a side here who are undeniably fantastic on the field. I mean, you'd have to be an idiot to, to, to deny that. I couldn't watch that game last night because for me, it's it sticks in my craw a little bit too much. I talked to my pal who's a Man City fan today and he was just aghast that I wouldn't have watched. He's like, why wouldn't you? And I was like, no offense to you, lad, but I just couldn't do that to myself. Right. That's how I feel about it. Uh, I don't want to get into it with him. I just want, I'm happy for him. He's hes my age. He's went through the bad years, all of them. So it's good that he gets to to enjoy something like this. But for me, I mean, you can't have all those charges hanging over you and be taken seriously. It's not its not even a no smoke without fire. It's a clearly there is something hinky going on. And it just sticks in my craw a little bit, Jan. I don't know whether I need to get over myself or what, but the amount of journalists, media uh, outlets who just won't even talk about this thing as if it's not real. Do you think that's just because they're all under advisement about not saying anything silly? Um, Or is there just a reluctance? Are they sticking their head in the sand and going, everything's fine, la, la, la? I don't know. So I was at the Etihad on Wednesday. I enjoyed it. I thought they were... Fantastic, especially in the first half. Uh, I don't ever want to take anything away from the players. Mm. All the players can do is play their football and they're doing a great job at the moment. We in our comments never mentioned the charities either because I didn't feel, I, did, I just didn't feel it fitted the moment. You know, we just watched... Manchester City dismantle Manchester, uh, sorry, Real Madrid. And I didn't think it fit at the moment. I think it will fit at some stage that, and I think Jamie Carragher made a point out of it. He says, you know, it will all be for nothing if they're found guilty. And I agree. But for now, yes, we, we have to believe that some of these charges will stick uh, and whatever the punishment uh, gets. And I don't think City have done themselves any favours. If, if we were to believe, they've obviously, today I think, they've, 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 uh, they've gone in and uh, I guess counteracted all the charges. And also if it's true that one of the lawyers can't work because he's an Arsenal fan, then in my opinion, I think less of City. Uh, because what we want in a situation like this is the best people to try and, and, and deal with this, isn't it? You know I mean, on both sides. Let's get the best people involved so we can come to a conclusion because this is damaging beyond for football. It's damaging beyond what the fuck do you do, Trevor? You know, if if if, if all of a sudden they've been found guilty of, let's just say 20, where does that end? You know, mm. it, it, it's it's worrying. And it's look, I've 
I, I, I've sort of flirted with the notion of, of, of journalism myself for a while and I wrote for a lot of years and it's very tempting to stick your head in the sand and just be a fanboy but I never really wanted to do that and I tried to say truthful things and it's nice that there are some good well renowned journalists whether you think they're good or not uh, who are sticking their hands up and they are talking about things honestly but it's a very 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 un popular place to be at the moment um, for a lot of reasons. And I think it's very understandable for some um, uh, people who are in the position of having to churn out columns or do commentary in football matches. I, t I take your point completely. I think it's right. I think you're you're absolutely right. And, and th that's where the nuance comes in. I'm glad you said that. You have to say those players are just fucking wonderful players playing wonderful football. And you can't mix up the two things in your head there is a bigger picture here and when you see the thing like you said today they don't do themselves any favor that the, 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 i'm just reading the time sport um city have lodged legal challenges against the premier league's 115 charges for rule breaches disputing the involvement of the barrister who's in charge of the disciplinary process because he's an arsenal fan and you're reading that yeah and you're thinking is this clown world it goes on and says the Times understands that City have raised the dispute in relation to recent changes in the Premier League's rules, arguing they should not apply to investigations into alleged rule breaches before them. And it goes on like that. And you know, as well as I do, because you're an astute man who follows the real world, money will always win. And that's why I don't think people should be hanging their hat on these things um, and hoping for some sort of miraculous thing to happen, because money always wins and they will have the best lawyers. But it just seems so petty. It does definitely, I think, have a, it clouds the whole thing a bit. But absolutely on the park. How how unfortunate is Liverpool Football Club to have come up against this era and this collection of footballers? I have one question for you on this, and it it, 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 it this is I think fair because it's not to do with anything to do with alleged impropriety. This is simply a question about a fella and his achievements. When you look at Pep Guardiola as a man who's watched football and understands a hell of a lot more than I do and has participated at the highest level, when you watch football and you watch Pep Guardiola, you look at innovation that he's uh, alleged to have brought to the game and you look at the absolutely incredible amount of trophies he's won wherever he's been, um, where do you rate him in the canon of coaches? Because it's easy to say, oh, he's the greatest ever or whatever. Um, but a lot of people... I think it's fair to say, would say, well, he, he's never gone anywhere where he hasn't had either a wonderful squad to start with or a wonderful squad to start with plus infinite money. And an awful lot of people would say, well, it's not easy to do what he's done with that, but it certainly makes it easier. So when you're trying to weigh up or assess what Guardiola is or where he is in the, in the great canon of the great uh, managers, like where does he sit for you? I think it's difficult. I mean, it's obviously impossible uh, to ignore what he's won over the years. Uh, but I, I look and I think, I mean, let's take and this thing that we're doing with Trent as we're moving into midfield and he did the same with John Stones and before that with Cancelo and whatever. Great. I still think without making those changes, if you're Manchester City, you win the trophies you want to win. They'd have still been in the Champions League final if they wouldn't have played John Stones as a centre-half and as a midfield player in possession. Uh, so I don't think... I look at innovation in football, Trevor, and the only one that really... The only one I really nail 
it's the Dutch revolution in the late 60s, early 70s, total football. That's the only one where I go, that had an impact on the world of football. And still to this very day, it's being spoken about. Yes, Guardiola does these little things, this whatever, but it's not something. that The way that Pep Guardiola plays is only for managers who've got the best teams and the best players, yeah? You know, mm. total football was something totally different, wasn't it? You know what I mean? And I, that's the, I look back and I go, that's still to this very day the only one where I go, something happened in football when when Ajax and the Netherlands national team and whatever, when they did what they did. I don't think we'll ever look back and go, because most football fans aren't interested in a little tweak and a little bat, whatever. They're interested in something else, aren't they? They want to see a team that give 100%, they get the ball forward, they create chances, they score goals, win trophies, isn't it? But they're not interested in a little tweak, you know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's not for them, is it? You know, so impossible to ignore the trophies. Uh, he might walk away with a treble to, to equal the one that Manchester United won in 1999. And probably it'll be more convincing uh, than the one the United won in 1999. But I don't, I, I don't think in 30 or 40 years time we're going to be talking about anything other than his Hall of Trophies. You know, I don't think we're ever going to be going and then he changed the face of football and everybody did this and everybody did that. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, the way that he starts to play with Barcelona and, and everybody in Spain more or less plays the same way today, isn't it? But it's not as if it's catapulted them into a category of teams that nobody can live with. You know, look at us. Uh, so, yeah. I've got, nothing, I've got nothing against him. And he's done a good job. Do you know what, Trevor? If I'd have been given the same chance, I wouldn't have been a million miles behind in teams of trophies. I could have took over that Bayern Munich team in 2013 after they just won the treble under Jupankers. I, I could have done that. And yeah, I was there at Wembley when they won in 2013, beating Dortmund 2-1. And I thought, this team will never be beaten again. They were unbelievable, Bayern Munich. And to be fair, he came in and uh, the only thing he could win was the Bundesliga. You know, we say win anyway. So having said that, he changed the way that he played. He changed the way that they view football in Bayern Munich now in terms of just being a, a machine that wants to win. They also appreciate the, the final aspects of the game. Isn't it? But the end result is still the same, isn't it? You win or you win. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that take, actually. Uh, speaking of Bayern Munich, I, I want to get your opinion on something that pops into my head. Poor Sadio Mane, he's had a mayor out there. It has not gone, gone well for him at all. Uh, the... It's, I don't know how much you can trust the reporting uh, around the details of what happened, but clearly he's had a falling out there and he is now persona non grata and has been transfer listed, which is a mad thing that you don't get to see every day anymore. Um, when you think about Sadio Mane as he was before he left us and the fact that there's another season and year on the clock now, whether it's been a season or a year where he's played a lot is another thing, of course. What do you think the future looks like for him and where do you see him going? Like, I mean, are there Premier League clubs who you think would snap snap his hand off if they thought they could get him uh, in the door? And how high a level do you think that might be? So, Trevor, I don't like to buy defenders from any team that has Sean Dice as their manager because of the way they play. Mm. I don't like to buy defenders from Italy because of the way that the game is played in Italy. And I don't necessarily think it's a great idea to buy players from Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool either. If you look at first Coutinho uh, and Wijnaldum and, and went away, Sadio Mane's gone away. They, we play in a very specific way. 
where these players absolutely fit the system like a glove. Uh, but out of that, you know, where, where's the future? Sadio Mane, I mean, there is other clubs in Italy than, than Napoli and Juventus, and there might be Inter or Milan or Roma. In Spain, Atletico Madrid, there might be one or two interests. PSG, they always fancy an experienced guy. And then, of course, there has to be. There has to be a Aston Villa, you know, West Ham, you know, that sort of. I can't see Newcastle because of his age, but Aston Villa, maybe even Spurs, I don't know. Uh, he, he will get his office and he'll be relatively cheap, Trevor, you know. Uh, well, you're going to be paying 20 million euros probably uh, for him, and a lot of people think that's not a bad return, isn't it? Uh, it's a shame, isn't it? I've, I've said this often, Trevor, and I want players to play as well as they can for as long as possible. And it just looks like he might just be coming to the end of being a top, top player. It is a shame. Uh, and, you know, you'd have nothing but goodwill towards the kid. And for the longest time, I think he was certainly for maybe the title winning season. I think he was actually the most important player. Um, and there was a time as well where you're watching him, and you're going pound for pound. Is there a, a stronger, more athletic and, you know, sort of effective attacker in the, in the game? It's such a such a wonderful contributor to the good run that we had under under Jurgen. But as you said earlier on, with these guys going and with them signing on the down line to say we are now out the door, that means refreshment has to happen. And. That's exciting um, because we at least now know there will be a level of recruitment. How high it will be is, is anyone's guess. It, it's it's settling around these names of McAllister and Gravenberch and Mason Mount. They are the names that just won't go away. And whereas I think an awful lot of people will be absolutely delighted with that, I'm not sure that McAllister versus Caicedo is the right necessarily the right um, 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 profile for us. The one that we really could do with. Um, I, I'd love us to see see us break the bank for for Caicedo, but we're even now being told we're being priced out of this kid um, Ugarte as well because the the, the money is just too 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 high. So it just seems to be a pattern where I think it's probably best we don't annoy ourselves in this show with with too much about it until it becomes a reality or close to a reality. Um, we can talk about the guys that are going because we know that's real. As we look forward then to what's left, Jan, we have to chat about this because there, there's there's uh, fellas who should know better, uh, who are famously pessimistic, and I'm, I'm looking at my pal Dave Hendrick here uh, in terms of, of how what you know what they expect from other people. Uh, and they're starting to get excited about the chances of the Reds getting nipping in here and getting in here uh, and basically we know that what united have left is bournemouth chelsea and Fulham, and two of those games the last two are at home and united form as you said last week has been very good at home and we've gone through these so i don't we don't need to do it again but just to to to, to recap for, for folks so united have like i said again Bournemouth at the weekend, then they play Chelsea on the Thursday night following, and the Sunday after that is um, uh, Fulham. Newcastle, uh, who are on uh, the same uh, sort of situation, uh, except they now have four games playing. They're playing tonight. I, I, 
actually kicked off as we speak, I believe, uh, the Brighton game. Hopefully you'll be able to get free to watch most of that. We're obviously hoping Brighton can do us a favour there. Who knows what that what way that will go because they got their arses handed to them by Everton, <laughs> whatever that's about. Uh, Newcastle also have, after the Brighton game tonight, Leicester City, which you mentioned earlier on. Will that matter? Will Leicester already feel that it's gone? They also have Chelsea. Chelsea look like they have the potential to be not quite kingmakers, but have a real uh, um, influence on this uh, as well. So I am hearing these people saying that they think it's possible that Newcastle probably will be the ones who might just bottle it. To use a colloquialism, their arses might go, Jan. Um, As you look at that, United and Newcastle, do you fancy either of them to let us in, or do you think it's a bit of a big ask? I'd rather be surprised than disappointed. Uh, yeah. And and I know a lot of people are saying Newcastle. I just think that Newcastle's next two games, they're playing Brighton, as we do this show, and they're playing Leicester on Monday. Their next two games are at home. So they might not get to that nervous sort of having to go to Chelsea and needing a point or three points. Uh, so for that reason, I actually find that it might be United we have to look at. What they have in common, Trevor, and, and I experience this because I go to a lot of games, uh, and I compare that to my own time as a footballer, and people always said, what was it like in your day in the run-ins uh, with, with the pressure? And I said, well, we never felt any pressure, and I'll tell you why. Because the crowd had also been there. They trusted us. You know, we need to win four games. They trusted us. So you never got to this desperation that I see when I go. I went to Newcastle the other week when we lost 2-0 against Arsenal. The, the atmosphere at the end of it was, was, it was like a teenage concert. You know, everybody screaming and yelling, not knowing what to do. It's the same at Arsenal. You know, when, when, when Brighton scored on Sunday 1-0, they don't know, and they the atmosphere of the stand transfers onto the pitch. And that's where, even at Manchester United, because th- their fans haven't seen it for many years, so they panic. You know, and I always think that when we played, nobody panicked. The fans didn't panic, so we didn't panic. And it was a trust thing. Um, but no, I don't think any of them will, will slip up. As I said before, I'd rather be surprised and disappointed. Uh, United have been really, really strong at home. I'm not convinced that they're a good team, even a great team. Uh, and I just think that Newcastle at home would probably get the job done. Uh, and, you know, fair, fair dues. I mean, you said before, our form over the season hasn't been good enough. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't sneak in via the back door, isn't it? But I think it's, I think it's highly unlikely, though. Although, should Brighton win at Newcastle? That wouldn't surprise anyone, would it? You know? Yeah, I, that's where I'm at as well. I, I've never bought into it fully, even though uh, everyone around me is. It's I, because I, I don't trust other people to do things properly, and I, I'm, I just don't trust other people to be any good. Uh, that's just how I'm wired. Uh, so we'll wait and we'll see. And it, like you say, if we're surprised, great. Uh, but I won't be disappointed if Liverpool end up in fifth because it's fully what I'm expecting, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, we have a, a game to look ahead to, and I want to do that. Um, just a quick word. I don't know what you've made of it, but just to get your your take. And again, if you haven't read about it or if you're not fully in on it, just the, the Ivan Tony thing. We were talking about it. 
we were talking about Tony after we played them recently, and I was just saying to the lads on the show how much I would love Ivan Tony at Liverpool. And we, I spoke to you about it as well. I just think he's such a really good footballer. We have this situation now where he's barred from football for eight months with immediate effect on Wednesday. He admitted to some 232 breaches of the FA's betting rules, uh, which means he's banned effectively until January 16, 2024. Uh, there was a 50 grand fine as well. Um, they've come down hard on this kid here. And regardless, I think, of people's take on it, it's, uh, it's again, in comparison to what's going on in the other place, it seems a little bit uh, out of whack. Have you any take on this at all or any opinion on it? Because I know people would like to hear what you have to say, but if, we don't, if you don't go into it in detail or if you haven't read about it, don't worry about it. No, no, absolutely no problem, Trevor. I agree with you. I think it's ours. Um, there's no doubt that footballers... They know the rules and they know the risks. So he's done wrong and for that he should be punished. But let's not forget, he has not betted on any of the games that he's been involved in himself. You know, so does that, does that, does, I don't know, but he, he, he works and lives in an environment that's built upon gambling, isn't it? You know, there's gambling everywhere, Trevor, on shirts, you know, there's advertising. You get celebrities advertising betting, isn't it? So, a young kid, a young kid, a young adult at Peterborough, lonely, you know, has a few bets. I know 232, but 232 is not a lot of bets, is it? You know, if you have one a day, it's not even a full year. Is it? So, and now, they're running the risk of this kid being ostracised for, certainly for the four months when he's not allowed to train with Brentford or whatever. So, he should have been punished. Uh, and I don't agree, he shouldn't have been four months either because then most of that would have been taken care of uh, with, with, with the summer break. But I think he should have been 20 matches, something like that, given 20 matches ban uh, to, to let people know that we don't accept this. There will be plenty of people saying, listen, Jan, it's black and white. You can't bet. Punishment fits the crime. I disagree. Yeah, I'm. Listen, I'm. I'm just. I'm glad. I wanted to get your take on it. I find myself nodding in agreement. We'll leave it there and not go into any more detail on it. It's it, there. As 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 Tony himself said uh, today in his statement, uh, the written reasons for the commission's decision have not yet been published. So he's not going to comment any further till they have. Uh, so that's interesting. We'll we'll keep an eye on it. Um, we have Aston Villa at the weekend, a game I'm going to be lucky enough to be in the, in the cop for. And um, the, 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 the drinking gods, Jan, have, have kept us apart yet again because you're elsewhere. Tell folks what match you're working on at the weekend. Yeah, the two games I've got is Nottingham Forest Arsenal Saturday, which is the half-five kickoff, And then on Sunday, I'm at the Etihad for City Chelsea, which looks like the game where they're going to win it and be presented with the trophy. So unfortunately, You'll have to do all your own dancing in Liverpool, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 funny enough, I think I think I may well manage uh, that particular activity. Uh, I have been known to. Uh, with Aston Villa, I'm curious to get what you take your your take on them. There's been a lot of conversation on 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 the channel recently, and one of the facts that's been floating around that most people are aware of is that since Emery took over. Um, certainly until recently, they were in sort of top four points accruing form, which is pretty bloody impressive 
and has seen Emery be nominated as one of the candidates for manager of the year. And I think that's fair. Um, and I think, you know, they did well to get him. Um, so as a result, I find myself thinking, and you said it way back when we were looking at seven or eight fixtures to go, that this is the one that could be potentially a really tricky one. Um, and Villa have been in decent form, um, like I say, over that whole period. Their last outing was a 2-1 home win against Tottenham Hotspur. They did lose, oh, sorry, they then they beat uh, Villa, uh, sorry, they did lose to Wolves at Wolves, which would have stuck in their craw quite a lot before that. And they also lost to Man United. And I think people were looking at that and going, oh, have the wheels come off a little bit for Emery. But in the period before that, it's all good. It's all wins and draws and wins and draws. It's 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 a, a very impressive run that they were on before that, beating the likes of Chelsea, uh, Bournemouth, uh, Leicester, uh, Forest. Uh, they even beat Newcastle 3-0. So this is an impressive side that he's put together here. Their most recent win, like I said, was the 2-1 two win, two win over Tottenham. And in that match, the kid Jacob Ramsey, there's an awful lot of talk about, scored, as did Douglas Louise. And the team they went with was um, Martinez in goal, uh, Consa and Mings, uh, their centre-half partnership, uh, Young and Moreno on the on the flanks there at the back, and Bailey and Ramsey either side of the midfield, Louise and uh, McGinn. Uh, in the middle, and Buendia and Watkins, and Watkins loves a game against Liverpool, as we know. Um, on the bench for Villa, Mali Cash, uh, they had Duran, Bubakar Kamara, uh, Carlos, Bertrand Traore is on there, Callum Chambers, uh, also Luca Dean, and uh, then Donker, and also It's a very decent squad, and this lad seems to have them playing well, Jan. They're going to represent a massive challenge. And all the chatting about United and Newcastle will be completely moot if we can't beat these. And it's going to be an ask. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. It's still a game I'm not particularly keen on. You know, I, I think they pres- they're, they're a hell of a challenge. Uh, they are a solid group of players who are well coached. Uh, it's sort of a very basic 4-4-1-1. It's not quite true up front because Burn Deere is a bit of a drifter. Uh, but they've got some really good players and Douglas Ruiz is playing the best football of his life. John McGinn has refound his form. 
Ashley Young, what, 37, 38, still getting in the team as a right back. They've obviously settled on the two centre-backs. Mings is back in favour. They've got an outstanding goalkeeper, isn't it? So it's going to be a big, big ask. Uh, but it's also always a big ask for teams like Aston Villa to come to Liverpool. And you mentioned they lost at Old Trafford. It's the same going to Old Trafford. It's a big ask, isn't it? And I think we're in that mood now where should Newcastle and Manchester United slip up, we ain't going to leave the points behind at home against Aston Villa. And I think for that reason, you know, if it needs be, I think we're quite prepared to create a cup final atmosphere if, 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 if we need to go and win the game. Well, I'll be getting your prediction in a minute, but I just have a, a Liverpool-centric question to ask you quickly before we go. I know people uh, are a fan of the fact that we cover an awful lot of topics here, and this is just what's come into my mind there. You t- we were chatting about, obviously, uh, the lad who's come in and done a fantastic job, and um, is a highly decorated manager in, in, in and of himself. But I can't help but think about the guy who's just who, who, who he's replaced in Steven Gerrard, and I wonder... Has that spell tarnished him a little bit? Is he going to struggle now, Jan, do you think, to get a decent appointment next? Or will he still get one? We've seen the the revolving door. I mean, if Frank Lampard can keep getting jobs like like he has, um, I guess Steven Gerrard can as well. Um, Xabi Alonso, simply by dint of the fact that he's Xabi Alonso, was being touted for all sorts of jobs in the Premier League um, with a, a massive... Uh, CV behind them at all as a manager. Um, do you think this has sort of left Jared a little bit of a, a of a lame duck that period, or are people accepting that managers will have those situations? I think most people will accept that most managers who have to go looking. So Jared went to Glasgow looking for his first job. He then went back to the Premier looking for a shoe in, 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 in the Premier League. I think people realise that people who do that will have, they will make picks where it doesn't quite work out, isn't it? Uh, so, Jared will still get offers. He has had offers. I was with Gary McAllister, who was his assistant, and he said he's had a lot of offers, uh, international jobs, jobs abroad. Uh, but he understands that the next one, yeah, you have to be careful. So, Rangers, Villa, and then obviously the dream was one of the big seven would be your next natural step if you did a good job at Villa. He now has to accept that his next job might have to be at the level of Aston Villa, you know, wherever that might be, whether that's West Ham. I mean, West Ham's got a manager, but around that level, that might be his level, isn't it? I mean, it might even have to be towards the bottom end of the Premier League. Isn't it? But I think if he can get himself another job uh, in the Premier League, to get himself another chance. I mean, Steven Gerrard was desperate to change things at Aston Villa. He wants to change things around. You know, he said, we, we, we've probably been underachieving a little bit. I want to change things around. He bought a centre-half from Seville, Diego Carlos, decided to, to, to do away with Tyrone Mings. And then Carlos gets injured in the first or the second game, has to bring Mings back, didn't quite get on, uh, made some decisions, was hell-bent on making Coutinho work, uh, when I think a lot of people probably seen that it's, it's, it's not quite working, isn't it? So he made one or two decisions, but football management is about making decisions. A hundred percent. And I wonder, will he make the decision to perhaps even take a really good championship side if the package was right? It'll be interesting to watch his progress and I look forward to doing so with yourself on the show. 
But this one finishes as they all do with your take on how the weekend's match against Villa is going to go. What do you see the result being? Uh, well, I hope it's going to be a good game. Uh, I mean, they're not a defensive-minded team, but they are a well-organised team. Uh, so I think it might be difficult, isn't it? But I still think there's going to be some excitement in the game, and I think we'll beat them 3-1. I hope you're right, because I've got uh, an unbeaten record to keep going, which is absolutely outrageous going back many years. Fingers crossed it'll continue. Uh, great to hear that prediction from yourself uh, to, to give me a little bit of hope and for the show, Jan, and for all the topics covered. Thanks a million. No problem, Trevor. We're almost there. We are almost there. Two more to go, folks. As, as the man himself says, we'll be here with you for them. I'm not sure whether we're going to be able to do the show. Let's just do this one on Huff, Jan. Are you doing a midweek game next week? You probably are. I am. There's I'm a big a... game on the Thursday, isn't there? Yeah, I'm at Old Trafford, Manchester United, Chelsea. Right. Well, then we'll either have to do it early in the week or it'll be uh, possibly after the season has concluded by the time we do our next one. We'll see what how that pans out for the big man and myself. Uh, in the meantime, I'll say goodbye to you. I've been Trev Denny. That was Jan Mulby. This is Mulby on the spot for Anfield Index Pro. We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.